0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. This is the Rioteers review. What you're you're listening to? My name's Stephen Hill, and joined sipping from a some sort of berry-based drink. Renfrey. Um, Renfrey Dedman. It's,
1: hello. Uh, is apple hey. apple and blackcurrant? I believe. Classic. I, I believe. I've Classic
0: Robinsons.
1: Uh, I think it's a it's a, it's a a supermarket. I you're
0: sounding you're sounding like your butler brought it to you <laughs> which, which i which i know is not true <laughs> so uh yeah um but yeah I, I i believe it's some sort of apple and blue some sort of brand well there's the local convenience shop um yeah, it looks my, nice my, though my
1: butler my butler um squashed the apples and black currants together today uh between the butt cheeks of two virgins uh yada 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 yeah lovely stuff it's, it's very nice yeah. yeah very pleasant
0: don't think that would taste that nice um, squeeze together from no, the butt cheeks of virgins no. they
1: used to do that sort of thing though didn't they i say they did they i don't I have no fucking idea
0: <laughs> my I, ancestors
1: <laughs> <laughs> shall we talk about the early 90s steve we, we know more oh about that sort yeah of thing.
0: Yeah, it's unusual to get the early 90s um, come up and us not go, hooray, the early 90s. Although you did kind of do that yesterday uh, a little bit. Um, and this is a sort of oddly similar style yeah we were recording our special on park life by ah, blur yesterday yes, and you're a bit like oh god <laughs> um but the, this is different because we're hopping across the pond no more apples and pears called blimey walking <laughs> so slowly down bethnal green and more here yeah, oh i'm so sad all that kind of stuff from seattle yes. uh we should say by the way if you're listening to this um <laughs> normally we would have told you to to sign up for patreon which is probably what you're listening to this on and i think i should probably do that before we carry on actually uh this is on patreon.com forward slash riot act podcast if you're listening to this for free sometime in the future we do eventually give these writers reviews away for free but most people i hope will probably listen to it um, over on our patreon page where you can pay any amount of money and you will get the chance to choose an album. Like the one that we're going to talk about today. Uh, we have done a whole bunch of these already. I believe this is number 26, isn't it? So the likes of Bonivere, Typo Negative, um, Them Crooked Vultures, Manic Street Preachers, Massive Attack, The Natural Born Killer Soundtrack, This Girl, Hawkeyes, 68, Mars Volta, many, many more are already up there on our Patreon page. And um, apologies, if you-
1: Steve. A quick correction it's number 27
0: oh bloody hell, it's number 27. Um, And (laughs) how annoying. Uh, But um, that's if you're paying any amount of money. If you want to pay £5, just a meagre £5 a month or more, then uh, you also get uh, the opportunity to listen to our classic album series, which we have done a whole bunch of albums uh, on, which you can see now. I can't even... If you're be bothered to list them, to be honest, if, the wall. Well,
1: if you're a freeloader, we've done um, 1,027 of these classic albums by now. So um, there's plenty of content up there.
0: Oh, there's loads. Yeah, it. absolutely yeah. loads. So, yeah, fiver for the classic album series and anything for these Rioters reviews. What the Rioters reviews, uh, as I said, sort of said, mean is you get to suggest an album. We put them on a big spreadsheet and then we decide to do one. When we did our last record, uh, we. Um, we sort of went, oh, somebody's put Candlebox on there. Rich Hobson, uh, you put Candlebox by Candlebox and went, ha, ha we should do that. And now <laughs> here we are. We are doing it. We are doing the debut self-titled record by the band Candlebox, released on the 20th of July, 1993, um, free. Now, ah, straight away, I'm like, ah, <sighs> 1993, the early 90s. What a cracking time for music. Um off the top of my head, "Bloody Kisses" by Type of Negative came out that year. Mm-hmm. "Chaos AD" came out that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, "River Runs Red" by Life of Agony came yeah. out that year. Yeah. Uh, in, "In Utero" mm-hmm. came out that year. Yeah. Uh, "Verses" by Pearl Jam came out that year. What a good year for music. Yeah.
1: Uh, generally, yeah, absolutely great yeah. year
0: for music. Sort of in sort of underground in alternative sort of sphere. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yes, I would say so.
0: In the mainstream. That's probably not quite as true. Um, it really I'm just is, looking at the.
1: Is it rarely yeah. really is.
0: <laughs> I'm just looking at the Billboard Top 200 number one albums of 1993. Right. Whitney Houston's "The Bodyguard" was number one at the start of the year and remained at number one until the sixth of March. It uh, was knocked off the top by Eric Clapton's "Unplugged." MTV Unplugged for three weeks. Do Went back to number one for a name? week. Come on, none of that. Um, Went back to number one for a week, was knocked off for a week by the brilliant Songs of Faith Faith and Devotion by Depeche Mode for a week. Went back for another three weeks, was knocked off again by Aerosmith's Get a Grip, um, and then went back to number one for another three weeks and was finally knocked off Of the top of that chart in earnest forever uh, by Janet, by Janet Jackson, which then went on to have a nice long six week period at the top of the US album charts. So although we were being told, hey, man, grunge has taken over. It's happening. Do you know what I mean? Alternative rock is king. Actually, up until basically you get, I mean, Janet was knocked off by Back to Broadway by Barbara Streisand. (laughs) well grunge um well it wasn't
1: if, if you look eh. at, if you look at the charts and the charts alone that's the story it tells but let's face it mm. there was an awful lot i mean we've talked Well, hold on hold on wow. hold
0: on you just i've just about to get all to right, the point right. where it, that back to broadway where briba was knocked off the top by zuropa by u2 we then had two weeks with black sunday by cypress hill uh in utero was well, uh, number, number one. one was it yeah. Oh, wow. By Cypress Hill. Yeah. In Utero went in at number one for one week only. Mm. Um, and then uh, Meat Loaves Battle Out of Hell. <laughs> uh, Meat Loaf's Out of Hell 2 uh, and In Utero sandwiched a Garth... Two weeks with In Pieces by Garth Brooks. What and then week. Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam spent an amazing five weeks at number one. And it were knocked off by Snoop Doggy Dog's Dog Style, which is number one for two weeks. So actually, when you look at the second half of 1993 it does bear up to sort of fairly it, it you know adds up it's quite the scrutiny works a little bit better mm. you know you've got Zeropa, i'm having you two as an alternative band especially around that time screw you yes two cypress hill nirvana pearl jam and snoop dog like what a, what a that my... is fairly eclectic and great mix of music
1: One of my favourite facts about my favourite Pearl Jam album, my favourite album by my favourite band as well, um, is uh, at the time it was the biggest selling... Oh, hold on, I need to get this right. It was the biggest selling... It sold the most copies in its first week, is what I mean. Uh, Right, Okay. So it sold just shy of a million copies in one week. And that was the fastest selling... uh, album in a week if that makes cause jesus christ i'm not putting it very well we are recording this in the morning ladies and gents i do apologize <laughs> but you know it's, yeah it, it, it sold the most copies in a period of one week i think ever uh, well at the time it's been surpassed now by something awful like the titanic soundtrack or something like that but at the time it was
0: yeah, well, the 10 best-selling albums of the year as well, if you look at it, actually has got um, 10 by Pearl Jam, was number 8, 10 as well. That's weird, isn't it? Um, Pocket Full of Kryptonite by The Spin Doctors, I guess, sort of considered uh, something alternative-y. The Chronic by Dr. Dre was the sixth biggest-selling album of the year. And Core by Stone Temple Pilots was the 10th biggest-selling album of 1993. So hmm. even that, nearly half of that, is, again, what you would call... Good shit. Alternative music. Ah, alternative, Good shit. Yeah. 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 Um, so even though, you know, uh, the first half of night, you know, the, the kind of the rhetoric always tended to be Nirvana took over and they changed everything. Well, Nirvana didn't really ta- take over and change everything. Um, the stuff that happens around Nirvana obviously was big. But when you're talking about really, really chart dominating big, it actually looks like it took, in the US at least, you know into the middle of a year after nevermind got to number one before you started seeing those bands really have big smash breakthrough straight in at number one albums if you know what i mean yes
1: yes sorry Mm. i had nothing to add there but yes i agree (laughs) yeah okay good (laughs) (laughs) once again it is the morning i do apologize yes
0: that's fine that's fine um we will get to uh we will get to what was going on in britain a little bit later because at this point i don't really think it's that relevant but into this world um came Candlebox. um as i said Candlebox debut record released on the 20th of july 1993 so probably absolute commercial peak for grunge
1: Almost certainly i would have thought an alternative rock yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. the the absolute peak um i have to be honest with you renfrey i have never listened to this record this is a really
1: this is a really interesting one because despite us both being huge huge fans of this era and this scene neither have i and i don't Mm. know if the reasons are the same um but for me the reason i listened to it is uh, i never listened to it until now is because um you know Candlebox was always seen as a bit of a joke it was always seen as a bit of a turning point in um uh, well is is this debatably the first uh album in the th- quote-unquote second wave of grunge which was so post-grunge yeah, yeah. which was so derided at the time um sometimes ty- you know a- 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 and in some cases um unnecessarily derided to- as well we've discussed stone temple pilots um being bush bush are uh, being unnecessary silver chair yeah, those are the three big examples yeah that we talk mm-hmm. about all the time but all three of those bands did brilliant stuff to varying degrees um uh, but were are all put in the same category and all seen as nirvana rip-offs which was only true to a certain extent um i mean it's difficult to argue it with bush but you know stone temple pilots p- post core um like they they very much uh uh created their own signature sound i think it's fair to say mm. silver chair i mean it took it took a while but but if you go to albums like young modern which we've uh, done on the trade-off before and diorama you know those came much much later but you can't just be Calling the no. Nirvana copyists at that point certainly. No, no And no, when no, they not at all. when they were Nirvana copyists, i.e., on frog stomp a they did it super well, and b they were fucking fifteen. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like well, the shit, the are.
0: shit, silver. Ch- I think we've said it before, but the shit, silver. Ch- you get for being a fifteen-year-old kid. But yeah. I think, I mean, Candlebox came into that as you know. I think the the. The rhetoric from the old guards in Seattle, as I understand it, was that Candlebox were seen as kind of... I was always painting in the media that Candlebox moved to LA uh, to get big in the the in the in rise of grunge and the success of Nevermind. They relocated and changed their look and changed their sound and they went and got signed. I'm holding in my hand, Renfri, and I hope you don't mind me quoting from this for what I will quote from quite a lot in this, this podcast. Not at all the greatest book of my lifetime I'm um, holding up to my camera there, so you can see it Everybody Loves Our Town by Mark Yarm A History of Grunge um, absolutely essential book this is book. it's fucking brilliant um, better than the Bible? The, better than the Bible yeah oh, absolutely better than yeah. the Bible Yeah, Bible shit though so it? much pretty shit yeah you've got to get through all that like oh and then he came down and, uh, and all that stuff it's like <laughs> come on get to the point for, um, for balance <laughs>
1: for balance the Quran shit as well
0: yeah, yeah. Don't rate that. Don't but wanna, the don't Buddhist wanna book. On,
1: don't want to pick on. Oh, the Buddhist book. No. amazing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the, Buddhist the Buddhist book. book.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, the, that's the, the, the thing that's what they call
0: it. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember it. Um, I like the Hindu times by Oasis as well. So <laughs> uh, that's sure it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, fine, I do actually. Yeah, it's all right. It's fine. Um, Let's never discuss religion th- again. But anyway, no, <laughs> that's never. Not good. That's not um, an area to go into. This is a really good book. And uh, it's got interviews with pretty much every single person involved in the seattle music scene from roughly 1984 up to about 2002 it's so it's so
1: extensive that book i've got a copy as well i can't be fucked to go and get it because this is an auditory medium you'll just have to believe Mm -hmm. me that i have it um and it's like it's uh it's a brick isn't it it's fucking huge yeah it's big yeah it's big um it's dense. That's what I mean. It's dense. It is
0: dense and it covers every single band and it gets most of the members from every single band involved in it. Yeah. I'm just going to quote a few things from various chapters. But if you go up to chapter 31, there's a chapter called The Old Immigrants Hate the New Immigrants. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it starts like this. This is a quote from Kevin Martin, who is the singer of Candlebox. The Seattle scene, we were the redheaded stepchild. We were in the right place at the right time. Fortunately, our music had its own voice unfortunately everybody <laughs> there believed that we had moved there to steal the sound does it stir up bad feelings not at all it's easy to talk about it was a scene that was freaking groundbreaking he then goes on to talk about moving up to seattle in 1984 when he was 14 years old um his dad took a job there he lived on mercer island he said he stood up like a sore th- sore thumb um because he was a skate skateboarder with white um with sort of short spiky hair converse ripped jeans and he used to get beat up by the jocks which feels very grunge um obviously
1: you me and everyone mate so you know yeah you know get over it um
0: (laughs) uh he says his first concert, because he was from San, San Antonio, Texas, originally, uh, his first, first concert was the Dead Kennedys, Black Flag, Butthole Surfers, and the Big Boys. Um, right. And felt that Seattle Seattle was a culture shock. Um, to come from a warm-weather punk rock attitude, in Seattle it's rain. There's not a lot of punk rock. There's what I call dirgy rock. Slow, down-tuned, and heavy, which is why everybody named it Grunge. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> um, and he then goes on to say how he started playing drums in a couple of punk bands before he was singing, became friendly with Chris Cornell and Andy Wood, who had come into the store that he was working in and asked how his band was. He was 17, they were 21, 22. Um, and yeah, uh, there's there's a chapter here basically about the kind of, um, about the kind of the genesis of what happened in uh, to sort of turn Candlebox into the band they were and how they kind of formed. And it does feel like when you read it, you know, they they even admit... I mean, um, Peter Klett, the, their guitarist, says, I got out of high school and joined some goofy band called Toxel Ray. The singer was into deaf-fucking Leopard and Aerosmith, the poser-type shit. I did some shows around uh, town and the 90s thing hit. I saw Mookie Blaylock, who Pearl originally... Pearl Jam I saw Soundgarden at the off-ramp and Alice in Chains at Central just before it really exploded me and the drummer of Toxel Ray really like that kind of music so the group basically disbanded and you know then they kind of become Candlebox uh it's a really interesting thing to read anything in this book that is not that is not somebody from Candlebox talking about Candle box, right? Like, because there's pretty much nothing positive no. to say about any of them as people, and that's not to say everyone sort of shits on them, but um,
1: so, so from a personal point of view, or is it just the music that people are tearing apart?
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who kind of uh just deny that they even really spoke to them and just went, Oh, we right. hated their music, right? right. So you know, we we decided that we just weren't going to speak to them. Um yeah. Uh so they they obviously were never gonna be, you know, the darlings of the Seattle scene. Oh
1: god, no. No. No.
0: Um and you know, there's a there's a lot of stuff about how they got signed. Uh there's a guy called Kelly Gray, who's a producer, and he used to be in Queensreich as well. and he says um, that uh, Candlebox he said when I heard Candlebox I thought they're going to make us millionaires that's coming from a guy who's in Queensryche Mm. Um, that's probably not what the members of saying that that's probably not what Kurt Cobain was thinking when he was putting his band together I hope the guitarist from Queensryche discovers us and we all become millionaires
1: yeah no I I don't think so at all um quite interestingly in terms of the way that they got signed they were um signed to Maverick Records weren't they which of course was Madonna's label
0: they were I mean there's a bit about that in here as well actually I mean there's quite a lot about that in here as well Uh, let me find it hold on there's two Uh, yeah there's a guy called Guy Osiri who is a a label guy and he said the first artist I ever tried to sign was Hole I was 17 or 18 years old the second band I tried to sign was Rage Against Machine and the third band that I tried to sign was Candlebox both Rage and Hole (laughs) went down to the wire and neither of them signed with us and here comes Candlebox sorry sorry
1: that's the good the bad and the ugly isn't it I know
0: yeah (laughs) Um, Candlebox had other people injured but they signed with us Kevin Martin they're singing they said we got a ton of shit for being on Madonna's label everyone thinks that you sleep with her she just released her sex book and it's like did you fuck her we didn't actually meet Madonna until a year and a half after we signed no one had sex with her wow that's good to know isn't
1: it <laughs> what, no one at all that's a bit sad no I'm sure uh, somebody I'm did. sure someone had sex with Madonna I, I mean look um Deftones were on Maverick. Uh the Prodigy, they were. Prodigy were on Maverick. Alanis Morissette was mm-hmm. on Maverick. And um people might think that we're saying Alanis Morissette in a mocking way, but uh you and I both fucking love Aladdin. Oh, I love yeah, uh, yeah. Um so uh, you know, um that that in and of itself is a uh ridiculous thing to point out and go. Maybe at the time. I mean the thing is is I'm reading here, again, Wikipedia entry up in front of me because we are absolute perfectionists when it comes down to our research. Um, But but I am reading here that apparently Candlebox were the first successful act on Maverick records, Mm. which is probably true, given um, when uh, Maverick started, 92, 93, 92.
0: Well, if it's 92, yeah. Yeah,
1: so that makes sense. Um, So... Yes, I suppose. I suppose Candlebox being the first act to come out of Maverick that was successful, it would have been very easy to point and go, "Look at Madonna's stupid vanity projects." But when, when she's, mm. you know, also responsible for Deftones, Alanis Morissette, and The Prodigy, is I say responsible. She, when she's, you know, part of the company that signs those bands as well. You can't really turn around and go, "Maverick are rubbish," can you?
0: Yeah, and I think obviously that played into a little bit more of the resentment that the band had before yeah. they even had a record out really. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there again, there's the posies, uh singing guitarist Ken Stringfellow, there's a quote from him here and he was like Geez Louise! Not that our band has a great name, but Candlebox. I didn't even know if they played a show. They'd gotten their deal straight out of the rehearsal room, more or less. That's the kind of frenzy that was ensuing at that point. I know their drummer Scott from another band, but I was like, "Where the hell did these guys come from?" It was like the old immigrants always hate the new immigrants kind of thing. Um, Kelly Gray, uh, who was the producer I was talking about, said Courtney Love kept saying Candlebox from, were from L.A. She didn't know where the fuck the band was from. People like her were just saying that because Nirvana was huge, Candlebox should never have been a band. They should have quit. It's just fucking ridiculous um and Kevin Martin the singer again said the big misconception is that we'd move from LA to Seattle to get signed I to this day don't know how that came about I think it had something to do with our CD saying our management was was in Los Angeles and um Dave Cruzen who played drums for Pearl Jam Mm -hmm. for a little bit was actually Candlebox drummer um He says, people thought Candlebox were a put-together band. Back then, I was in a new version of Son of Man and we were doing demos for Epic, but the band never got signed. My bandmates were bitter towards a lot of bands, especially a band like Candlebox, who came out of nowhere as far as they were concerned. When Son of Man had been playing all these shows with Soundgarden and Mother Love Bone, the attitude was, who are these guys? Rich kids from the East Side.
1: Hmm. I think another thing which might have um, made a lot of the um, grunge scene very antagonistic towards kendall box as well is because they did it did all happen very quickly for them and they did yeah. they did form i mean to say that they formed when grunge had already become a massive thing would be a little bit would be slightly inaccurate but they did form in 1990 um mm. so that so they're not a band like your sound gardens or your mud honeys or your tads um yada yada, yada who had actually been around since let's say the mid 80s and who had actually been playing clubs and stuff for a really really long you know their success was um as these things go relatively instant
0: yeah i mean if you go back to the book i mean the fact that you know th- this is like page 460 of this book before candle box even get mentioned
1: oh yeah it, it,
0: you know it, it, i mean at, at this point in the book in utero's out yeah, yeah you know and people were saying oh grunge is dead at that point in in the sort of real world so yes they you know they to all intents and purposes were were you know a brand new band i just you know is it that they weren't very good you know or or is it that they were johnny come lately's or is it a little bit of both i mean well, let's get into it. Like I say, Renfrey, you and I had never listened to this record before, mm-hmm. but I was aware of Candlebox being the sort of the butt of most jokes of the grunge scene around that time. Yep. Uh, do you think they deserve it?
1: Um, uh, yes and no, uh, is, is my assessment. Um, let's talk about the record itself. Um, I don't think either of us particularly like this record i'm i'm gonna wager that you're not a massive fan of it no um no it's
0: too much too close to creed for my liking
1: yeah uh you can i mean i'm i'm i wouldn't be surprised if uh creed you know listened to candlebox and took that as a massive influence as well um but you know what um there are some songs on here which well i'm never going to return to them I kinda listen to them and I go, well, that's not an absolute aberration, is it? You know I, in fact I no. don't I don't actually think anything on this record is an aberration at all. It's it's just a it's a pale imitation of something that I love. But actually I can think of paler imitations. Um nickelback, Creed, um
0: stained stained. Puddle of mud. Yep.
1: Yep. Yeah. Like I I don't think Candlebox are anywhere near as offensive to to me as as someone who adores the uh, as grunge, uh, you know, in fact this this record wasn't particularly offensive to me at all, really. Um it just No, I mean
0: me neither, it's just not that good, is just it? It's not
1: very good. It it it's, it starts out okay. It starts out all right, I think. Um a song uh, what's the first song on the record? Uh don't don't you, don't you? don't you, S- doesn't sound a million miles away from uh, facelift-era Alice in Chains, in my opinion, um, mm. which, you know, is personally my least favourite Alice in Chains record. Um, but I-, I don't think it's a million... But I still really like it, to be clear. And I don't think it's a million miles away. For, like It sounds like one of the weaker tracks on facelift. But if it had been, you know planted onto that record not sure if loads of people would have noticed he certainly is doing a very very good Lane Staley impression on that record it's funny isn't it,
0: what I will say about this record is, I mean there's two things or three things really, one I don't really think the songs are good enough to change my mind that Candlebox weren't a kind of weren't imitators, Mm. whereas a band like Silverchair I think if you hear a song like Tomorrow by Silverchair Mm. Or if you hear, like we talked, we spoke about, swallowed by Bush the other day, yeah. which is a massive single, you know, and yeah, it is the sum of its parts, but it's a massive single. It's a great. Tomorrow song, by Silverchair, some yeah, you know, um, sex type thing by Stone Temple yeah. Pilots. In yeah. fact, loads of the, the that early, I could go through Core and Purple and pick out most things yeah. from those two records, yeah. and you wouldn't go, you'd go, oh yeah, that sounds a bit like Pearl Jam. Oh yeah, that sounds a bit like Alice in Chains. Yeah. That sounds like grunge, yeah. but but it's still a really good version of it whereas i just i don't think the songs are that good they are so clearly i mean you know the the creed thing i mean i i texted you yesterday and i was like this sounds like pearl jam being covered by ugly kid joe being covered by a wedding band <laughs> yeah which i thought because, was
1: perfect <laughs> yeah that is perfect
0: it's, it's a bit more shiny and hair metally and kind of like uh, histronic than Pearl Jam in a way that a band like, like Ugly Kid Joe would be, who was still sort of linked to that kind of glammy, that glammy sort of, you know, funk metal scene uh, of the the late 80s into the early 90s, still kind of happening. Um, but it's just, it's not really, they don't appear to be that great at songwriting. Their musicianship doesn't appear to be that great. It's a little bit sloppy um it's just not that good do you know what i mean it's just not that good do you
1: think sloppy is the right word because i think this is sort of too shiny to be sloppy
0: uh it's very shiny but i don't think it's the nobody stands out from their instrument do you know what i mean no that's true no nobody comes across as going well they they got a really good guitarist he's nope. got an, oh, what a nice bass tone or oh, that's a really interesting fill that that drummer just did i at no point do i hear that mm. they are playing it i suppose sloppy what i mean by sloppy is rudimentary very very like grunge is rudimentary musicianship but there's not a lot of personality and there's there is very rudimentary it is played as straight as everything is played as straight as straight can be do you know what i mean mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's nothing there's nothing exciting about this record or there's nothing no. that massively stands out as a sort of no individuals are bringing anything phenomenal to the table. No. Um, I
0: do also I do also think that uh the other two things I was going to say it's amazing to me how when you consider Nirvana are clearly the biggest band Uh, particularly at this time that the seattle band the most huge i know it's between them and pearl jam really but nirvana are always the band that people think of when they think of seattle music Mm -hmm. it's amazing to me how little inspiration those bands took from nirvana i hear loads of pearl jam and i hear loads of alice and chains and a little bit of soundgarden i don't hear any nirvana on them on stone table pilots on I I hear it more in Bush and Silverchair but you, Bush, you know but you don't really hear Nirvana on any of these bands these kind of second wave there's none in in Creed or Nickelback like no Nirvana there's no punk energy or kind of discordant dourness to to what they're doing at all I
1: don't know I think it depends what type of Nirvana you're talking about interesting uh just very quick aside interesting there that you said punk energy nirvana obviously are a punk band um but yes um i i mean uh, the <laughs> sometimes pu- I, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean you didn't mention it there but puddle of mud you know I, I, maybe this is because as, as we record this that abhorrent um about a girl cover has uh, come out with uh, puddle of mud um yeah but i don't know a band like puddle of mud i i, I or nickel even nickelback actually i do see some nirvana it, 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 I, I, again a pale 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 well pig, yeah pale time seven to use a pig size seven reference uh version of nirvana but i i see it but it's just it's just watered down to the it's like clear gravy
0: yeah i mean i i definitely <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well nickelback <Tab> gravy <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's just like brown light brown like, it looks like diarrhea basically but it's gravy mm. god that mm. is disgusting it's still that is nickelback
0: still better it still makes me feel better than nickelback to be <laughs> i'd rather like, drink some pale diarrhea gravy or listen to nickelback and, like hand me the pint glass hey, we, we, butler. Could,
1: we can arrange that there's a special in that i think
0: <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I I do hear more definitely hear more Pearl Jam and Arson Chains, though.
1: Undoubtedly, undoubtedly. Not sure if yeah. I fully agree with your sound garden, can't hear too much Sound Garden. Myself. No,
0: no, not really. Uh, it's no. very much, so, I mean, Pearl Sound Jam. Garden are the other one, it's very much Pearl yeah. Jam
1: and Alice in Chains for me. Um, yeah, but, I um, think
0: they're the two main ones,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, you know. Uh,
0: well, the, th- the, the kind of final point I was going to make about it, which again is something I said to you, is that although I don't think this is very good, listening, and I'm sure when it came out, I would have gone, ugh, but listening to it today, hmm. my mind is kind of conditioned to go, oh yeah, grunge. Mm-hmm did you do that at all yeah, of
1: course i did yeah yeah, yeah. i just went after three
0: sorry. songs i was like oh <laughs> fucking hell this is really good and i was like hold on hold on hold on, yeah, hold, on yeah. hold on hold on yeah. no it isn't no it isn't good it is yeah. it's candle box yeah it's not good
1: but that's nostalgia isn't it that's just yeah that's, definitely. that's our nostalgic kind of um love for this era of production so, yada 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 you know
0: um the when it was released i mean again it, it's it's got on all music it's got four stars um mm-hmm. you know the stephen thomas erweline writing for all music said candlebox rode the alternative bandwagon to the top of the charts for their self-titled debut album um and calls change you and far behind memorable melodies or the closest they came to memorable melodies our good friend robert christogoo panned the album calling it post-grunge scene-suckers who aren't total pop metal conformists. They're a tad more intense with sharper drumming. I mean, I don't really feel like that sounds like he's panned it, but, you know, fine.
1: Well, he gave it a C rating. Is that a panning? Um, I don't know. Yeah, not uh, really. And I mean, I mean, in terms of disagreeing with Robert Criscow, uh, I mean, a tad more intense than who? Nirvana or Pearl Jam? you know a band who wrote <laughs> yeah. uh, like this year pearl jam released versus which is their probably their most intense out debatably mitology but yada yada. Uh, but versus yeah. has blood on it um mm-hmm. uh fucking um, that's
0: before we even mention in utero as well isn't it which it, there's no well, point well, even mentioning you quite, utero, so, quite yeah.
1: but versus also has go and animal on it i mean some some of pearl jams mm-hmm. quote-unquote heaviest songs certainly most intense songs. yeah um, is that what he's talking about? I mean, he's comparing that to pop metal conformists. Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: well, he's a fucking idiot. He's being quite
0: it? vague. He doesn't really know what he's talking about, does he? Hmm,
1: interesting. Yes. I think that's <laughs> yeah, a very, very... very uh, Astute point. Astute point, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, the album eventually uh, peaked in the, uh, in, in the charts, in the Billboard 200 in 1994. It peaked at number seven. So it ne- they never got a number one, but... Yeah. Um, they it's in did, the chart for 104 weeks, though. It was in the chart for a fucking long time. It's gone four times platinum. I mean, you think it kind of peaked, you know, at least six months after <clears throat> after it came out. It went four times platinum in the US, which is what? Four million or three? Uh, platinum, a, platinum
1: in the US is a million. So, yes, four million.
0: Yeah, four million, mm. which is not bad at all. No, um, no
1: not bad at all. So that you to can polish.
0: And, yes, just to compare and contrast that with uh I mean looking at the um the singles and where the singles kind of went in the charts, um you went to number 78. That's kind of one of the earlier ones. I went to uh, number far 78. Behind, you did, yes. Right. Yeah, you and this girl. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> uh, all the callbacks. Far, far behind went to number 18 um so far, far few... behind
1: was the hit wasn't it as yes it know. was yeah you know and actually i'll admit far behind came in i was like oh i vaguely know this song and once again yeah. slight nostalgia feelings came in and i was found myself tapping along to it but I, but it was sort of despite myself if that makes i, I don't mm. I, I, I it's not it's not dreadful. It's not dreadful.
0: No, it's not absolutely dreadful. It's just a bit boring, but just- when you compare, probably, I'm on the uh, the official UK charts uh, website at the moment. Ooh, get you. I'm going to read you. I'm going to read you out Candleboxes. Um, yeah, just buying my copy of uh, um, Colonel Tom Moore and Michael Ball's uh, number one hit single, which I can't <laughs> stop going on about because it is the worst thing. That's ever happened to anyone ever. Uh, <laughs> I've got them. I'm going to read out where they, uh, their kind of, their history in terms of singles and albums in, in the United Kingdom. UK, it's, this is singles. UK number ones, zero. Um, weeks at number one, zero. UK top tens, zero. Weeks in the top ten, zero. UK top forties, zero. Weeks in the top 40, zero. UK top 75s, zero. Weeks in the top 75, zero. That's singles, albums uk number one zero weeks number one zero uk top tens zero weeks in top 10 zero uk top 40s zero weeks in top 10 zero uk top 75s zero weeks in the top 75 zero the closest think, candle box i think have you're come, trying
1: to make a point but i can't see what it is mm.
0: <laughs> the closest candle box came to any part of success at all in the united kingdom was on september the 10th 1994 far behind which as we've discussed mm-hmm. is their their biggest song, their biggest song yeah. peaked at number 93 in the <laughs> uk singles chart right
1: right right
0: so uh are you blaming this on did america that happen?
1: well because america loves this sort of shit isn't it <laughs> I mean it's just as simple basically. as that. I mean I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a, it's simple rhetoric and it is th- this is one of the times when that rhetoric is tr- that 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 well-known rhetoric. You, we sometimes we talk about busting myths and yada yada, yada uh in mm. music. But um that whole myth of uh, America just fucking loves this shit is not it's not a myth. Um it just no. fucking does. Um and this big sort of commercial rock radio this is perfect commercial rock radio music i will i will give it that it is perfect for drive time driving in a big suv jeep i mean my apologies to our american listeners and we do have a few but but that is the cliche for a reason is it not i've been to america Uh, four or five times in my life and that's that's what you hear on the radio
0: we are currently in a world where I'm trying to remember who Trapped even were. And yet they're telling everyone how big and they're showing their streams on fucking Pandora for some reason. It's like, yeah, I I saw what your friend's Reunited profile looks like as well while we're there, guys. Um, Confession
1: here. I I honestly, I mean, unless I forgot about it, I don't think I'd even heard of Trapped until this nonsense. uh, I mean, I don't even want to talk about it, frankly, because it's so fucking stupid. But yeah.
0: Yeah. I, had, I I knew who they were, but I didn't know what... I couldn't name you a single one of their songs, but nope. they are exactly that kind of God smack five-finger death punch... Yeah um you know stuff um and yeah in the, and it's it, that kind of never really took in the uk i mean had a little bit i guess nickelbacker got big and creed ended up with a hit single and suede and suede sorry um stained at a number one um album over here as well creeds creeds are really which interesting. is pretty mental
1: creeds an interesting example though because whilst you're not wrong um the difference between creeds standing in um america and over here oh goodness is this the time to confess this fuck it why not um i i think the first time i ever went over to america or maybe the second time i went over uh I... you went to get
0: baptized by scott staff <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean uh, i i have difficulty saying the good allowed, reverend but, scott staff so i'm glad you said it um no i was i was perusing i believe virgin megastore i believe the largest virgin megastore in the world uh i was in actually which is in walt, which is in walt disney uh by the way which is in is w- which was i should say it's not there anymore yeah not but anymore it in, but it was in uh, uh walt disney world yeah disney marketplace um and um yeah i picked up a bunch of stuff um i think i picked up um one or two like pearl jams things i didn't have and uh, i had like stuff like that in my uh basket and i decided i was like i'm gonna go up to um the the staff here and say this is stuff that i like can you recommend me a couple of other things
0: oh no mm. oh no mm. and never ask no, <laughs> no. And,
1: well this is why i don't ask people anymore uh and um uh yes, uh, he said. Uh, oh well, if you like this sort of thing, you're gonna love this album. And he handed me uh, "Human Clay" by Creed. And at that point, I hadn't really heard much. Well, I certainly hadn't heard Creed, but I hadn't really heard much about them. So I was like, "All right, I'll give it a bash." <laughs> um. So I I, cont- I con oh. I contributed to the sales of "Human Clay" by Creed, which. In this country, barely made a. I mean, it did chart, but I don't think it made that much of a dent. Whereas in America, in terms of biggest selling albums of all time, it's 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 up there, I believe. I think it's certainly top one hundred.
0: Like it's it's disgusting. right up there. Yeah, yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah, it's b- how many fucking people. bizarre. Mm. Um, yeah, and again, you know, like you're right. It just it, it's never even when the bands get big in the uk it never got that big and even at the height of grunge and the height of alternative rock and when you look back at you know what did i say three or four records that you could kind of vaguely call alternative i mean most of them you could like Central pilots and pearl jam obviously i think dr dre as well yep. spin doctors is a slight outlier there i guess but you know in the that's that's four out of the ten in yep. the us whereas in the uk um battle of hell 2 was the biggest selling album of 1993 Automatic for the People by R.E.M. was the second biggest. So we weren't completely unaware of it. Zeropa by U2 was the ninth biggest selling album. But you have to go down quite far, really, until you get to the next one, which is Debut by Bjork at 21. And then go down even further than that. And then there is a little bit down to kind of you looking at the top 50. If you go all the way down, you do get... Guns and Roses Spaghetti Incident at 40. Um, wow. You get swayed by swayed at 45. In Utero at 46. Republic Whoa. by New Order at 47. Sorry, i just, rage...
1: just blown away that Spaghetti Incident sold more than in Utero. And yeah. it says, it says well, to the Massive Guns N' Roses fan, that's insane.
0: Yeah, but I mean, they were massive. I know, like, I know. fucking... As you rightly said yesterday, they were fucking they were massive. Um, yeah. But yeah, so 45, 46, 47, 48. You've got Suede, Suede, In Utero by Nirvana, Republic by New Order, and Rage Against the Machine by Rage Against the Machine. Um, so, you know, that that goes to show that we weren't completely and utterly unable to process, like, American alternative stuff. And it obviously... Mm it's funny recording this the day after we recorded the Blur special when we said, oh, you know, Britain was in the midst of like the alternative boom and blah, 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 and everybody was caught up in it and they loved American music. You know, uh, the chart suggests otherwise. I mean, it doesn't suggest that we were we liked anything good either because when you look at the, I mean, I'm not really going to go into like Dina Carroll was the third biggest selling album of the year. Take That was the fourth Diana Ross's greatest hits was fifth. Like, it, it's mostly stuff like that. What's your you know, beef um, Rose? hmm, What's your beef, with Diana, beef Ross? with Diana? Well, in grunge terms, yeah, okay. <laughs> quite, quite <laughs> a lot, <laughs> uh, but do you know what I mean? So, I think we were just a very, um, a very, uh, you know, mainstream country at the time, yeah. uh, and I can kind of understand really why candlebox couldn't crack that and and i'm i'm almost no i am i'm glad that we never really as a country in the main we never really kind of succumbed to this kind of shit because most of those bands got a very short shrift in the uk even some good ones to be fair
1: it is a weird one because something that i do really enjoy about being in america as a whole it is nice to turn on the radio and hear guitars but but the downside to that is the majority of the guitar bands on the radio are fucking terrible i I mean you know Mm. there, there are there are absolutely exceptions and there are definitely stations that you can find which are fantastic especially in this age of digital radio um where you actually do have choice but you know, in the May, I mean, recalling something, I remember going to Florida in two thousand and one, um, and driving my mum driving me around, um, and turning on the radio on, and just being so happy to hear like Weezer. Um, green at the green yeah. album just come out and like hash pipe would be on the radio all the fucking time to the point that by the end of our holiday me and my mum were singing along to every single word because we'd heard it so many times just from the radio you know um mm. sometimes i remember hearing um empty uh, songs from mtv unplugged Alison chains's session come just come on on the radio and i was like fuck yeah that's ne- mad you'd never get that in the uk um but yeah there was also a whole heap of stained um was paddle of Muds around that time yeah that that sort of bullshit as well you know like uh gosh, what was what was going on 2001 all that
0: awful 2001 like well stuff at like alien ant farm was alien starting to happen, happen farm, as well, wasn't it yeah yeah yeah, yeah you and know, and Papa Roach and all those kind of bands
1: awful crap
0: you mm. know yeah, um rubbish
1: but uh yeah um
0: that is the culture out there for sure yeah. um but to go back to candlebox um while in the kind of aftermath of that coming out it's funny that you would become that successful and yet people <laughs> would fucking hate you there's um kevin martin um he's a singer again, says uh, the grunge label was a fucking major hindrance to us. We were labeled grunge light. They would say grunge light bound candle box. We were lumped in with Bush live collective soul. People confuse us with collective soul all the time. Um, and then he goes on to recount going to Jason Bonham's uh, uh, sister, going out with Jason Bonham's sister mm. and um, Jason Bonham going, "Oh, I love your band. And then humming a collective soul song <laughs> at her at him sorry um he says rolling stone did an article um uh, Rolling stone did an article on us but they didn't want to so they fucking bashed us it was 1994 we were torn with the flaming lips the guys came out for two weeks and he just talked shit during a show pete went to kick over his amps and the guitar tech was tired of rebuilding them so he put some pillows down behind them and the writers like they're so concerned about their gear they put pillows behind us that's not us um yeah do you know, you know. what
1: i will say the 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 press dealing with this kind of music at the time were fucking pricks to be fair and and did candlebox deserve that level of ire not really um and and if you bear in mind this is the time where the press were hell bent on for example um pitching pearl jam versus nirvana where when you know Musically, those two bands actually have fucking nothing to do with each other. And a, a large part of our whole grunge is not a genre thing that we started way back on episode zero is just how massively different just take the big four of nirvana alice in Chains, soundgarden and pearl jam none of them sound alike it's a totally no. ridiculous especially when you when you go to say um metallica slayer anthrax um megadeth there's a lot more uh I, I, I don't. Th- I don't think Anthrax, Metallica, Slayer, and Megadeth sound identical either. To be super clear, but I, 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 there's a, there's a lot more in common between those four than there are between Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Alice in Chains, and Soundgarden. Yeah, probably. There, there That's a, There's a lot mm, more.
0: I think Soundgarden, Alice in Chains sound as close to each other as much as anyone that you've just mentioned from anything personally if i was to say what two bands are the most similar out of all of those eight bands i would actually say i kind of broadly agree with what you're saying mm. in general between those four bands mm. but i think if you were to say what two bands sound as the most like each other i would probably say alice and chains and soundgarden are the most similar to anyone from those eight bands I, I personally um,
1: i understand what you're saying i mean soundgarden are so- so broad, though so, they are yeah. So diverse, especially when you get mm. later on into their career, particular like super unknown and down on the upside in particular. Those two records are so like you know f- fell
0: on. But Alison Chains aren't
1: Le- yeah, far 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 less so. Yeah, far
0: less. Yeah. yeah, I mean there's obviously a journey and a a couple of different flavors to Alison Chains, but I think yeah broadly. Mm. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean you know the 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 kind of the characterization of what grunge is, is a weird one. And yeah, it's, it's really, you know, cause I mean, again, talking about blur as we were yesterday and, and the things like people saying there'd never been a sort of genuine alternative artsy underground punk pop indie band that had become commercially successful. That really is what happened with Nirvana, you know, like no one ever really would have expected that. So the rules. I think the the press were just treating Seattle bands in the way they would have treated any other kind of movement that got big. Exactly. Whereas, and but the but the bands themselves didn't really fit into that frame of reference. Exactly. They didn't really fit in. So I think a lot of people were kind of. I think the rules that got made around grunge by the press um, and probably by the artists and the fans themselves maybe. <laughs> Looking back at it now, it feels like it was all a bit people scrambling around, not really knowing how to react and or, or what was going on. I, th- I um, think
1: I think it was just enormously lazy shorthand. Um, mm. You know, not that the press is ever guilty of that. Um, but but you, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I under- Let it go. I, under- <laughs> I understand it to a degree, but. Uh, you, you know, part of our job is to describe things and yada, yada, yada. But yeah, I mean, it is, it is just very lazy shorthand,
0: isn't mm. it, really? Here's an interesting thing. So Candlebox went out on tour on this record and they brought the Flaming Lips, as mentioned before, they brought the Flaming Lips out on tour with them. And there's a bit in this book which I've just found which is a quote from Wayne Coyne, it's quite long but I think it's worth reading all of it, so let me read all of it. Candlebox wasn't just, this is Wayne Coyne from The Flaming Lips, Candlebox wasn't just the nail in the coffin for grunge to me they arrived as the coffin of grunge music. We toured with them for three months at the end of 1994 at the beginning of that phase they were playing to 4,000 or 5,000 people a night and by the end they were playing these giant arenas, hockey rinks for the most part, the whole 10,000 people and they're selling them out for a couple of nights in a row. I think we were invited because they thought we made the tour seem more authentic or more cool and I'm not saying we were cool or authentic I think there's an element of look we're candle box you may think we're shit but we like the flaming lips and doesn't that make us seem cooler we were all against it on a sort of practical principle level we don't like the group so why would we want to spend three months playing with them and then you think well we could make some money and we would be able to play to an audience that would never come to see us otherwise and I think it worked out great for us by the end of that tour our song she don't lose jelly was being played on the radio everywhere Part of it was probably because we were playing with Candlebox. We would play She Don't Use Jelly in an audience that literally hated everything else we did, like that one song. We saw the clumsiness of their shows and their songs and their identity, and everything just seemed like, damn, this is too much too soon. Candlebox really had nothing. They're just like, we're grunge. We like grunge. We're a big grunge band. I'm not putting it down simply because it's popular. It just wasn't our trip. The band would offer you cocaine virtually every time you'd run into them backstage. Like, we're big rock stars and we're going to do some cocaine backstage. We were by no means straight edge, but we're making $500 a night. They're making $5 million. We're not really rubbing noses with the same people here. And their road crew guys who six months earlier were touring with... And their, six, and their road crew were guys who six months ago were touring with Motley Crew. It was a very arena rock mentality. What's kind of funny about that is in between that quote, which is kind of cut up from Wayne Coy... Wayne Coyne there's a lot of Kevin Martin going ah oh, it was so inspiring to be touring with the Flaming Lips it was so amazing it was so inspiring you know to to see that happening um that's
1: why that book's brilliant isn't it it's, mm. it's basically it's just edited together brilliantly yeah sorry go on. yeah
0: um and it kind of just sums up <sighs> You know when someone just doesn't quite get it? Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Like, that's what I read out of that. Like, you just think, ah, you just don't really get it. I'm sure you were from Seattle. I'm sure you really had wanted to be in a band. I'm sure you really believed in the music that you make. Yeah. And I don't want to sound like an elitist. I don't want to sound like a snob. But, mate, you just don't get it. When you're putting yourself next to the Flaming Lips who are just such a fucking unbelievable, incredible, creative, amazing band, and you're getting up there and you're sort of doing this pretty poorly cobbled together pastiche of Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains that you've created a year ago. Yeah. You just don't get why, and they just don't seem to get why people wouldn't want to, would would have reservations against that. I mean, there's a little bit later on just to kind of... Finish up on this bit of the book. Um, Kevin Martin says, We played Woodstock in '94. We're the only band that weekend that's got a record in the Billboard top 10 or top 20. We go and do a press conference and they say, This is Candlebox from Seattle. They've got a number seven record on Billboard. They're moving 125,000 units a week. They're really pleased to be here. We'd just like to open the floor to any questions. Not one person asked a question.
1: <laughs> well, what do you ask, Candlebox? Like, but there's, there's nothing interesting to, about them. So there's nothing interesting yeah. to
0: ask, is there? You know, and, and he and said, that's kind of a, that's kind of a turning point. He says, is like, we're never going to fricking win. We're never going to be a reputable band regardless of what we do. But it's, you're right. Like, what do you ask them? Yeah. Why are you doing this?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, I, uh, you, uh, it's difficult to be a reputable band when all you're doing is imitating something, which is super, super popular, isn't it? You know? I mean, uh, in terms of um, Candlebox taking out the Flaming Lips, that is imitators taking out innovators, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Flaming Lips sound like the Flaming Lips and Candlebox sound like a lot... Well, Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam pro- predominantly, but a-, a lot of other bands as well, you know. So, and yeah, I mean, I I, I do... I, in, in some respects, I do genuinely feel sorry for them because like you said, I think you're right. I think they were totally clueless. Uh, as to why why that would not be received well by press by the press by let's face it steve people like us um yeah uh, but you know um doesn't mean that it's they should have done it. <laughs> I mean, it's up to that. Who fucking cares? I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, there's so there's so much worse stuff than this. I mean, you know.
0: Yeah, there is. And I think, you know, it was pretty obvious what was going to happen to yeah. them after that. I mean, um, this is a, this is they a, released.
1: I, I'm, I'm so, I'm very, very against putting scores on things at the moment, especially, especially right now. But This is a five out of ten record, isn't it? This is this is dict- yeah. this is dictionary definition of five out of ten to me. Oh,
0: absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's not fucking laughably bad, no. but it's just got nothing really that yeah. stands out or is interesting about it at all. It's and bang on you know, it's totally yeah, and average. it. And if Soundgarden and nearly, nearly like this period, nearly killed Pearl Jam. The kind of aftermath Mm -hmm. of this, it did kill Soundgarden. It did kill Alice in Chains for a long time. Um, Obviously, Nirvana were gone, and these were sort of bands. These and bands like Days of the New were the things that were left in their wake. And the follow-up record, Lucy, got to number eleven in the charts. Did all right. Went to certified gold. um, And then they didn't hit the charts again. And you know, nothing of theirs actually charted. Or wow, or. Or sold that well, I should say, after that. I mean, when I say charted, Happy Pills has got to number 65, in th- and that was their last album. They split up in 2000. That's their last album until they came back in 2006 and released. They've released three albums since then. The first one went to number 32, 82, 112.
1: Um, so, I mean, I, why I would know this, I don't know, but, but still a band, uh, still active today as well, apparently. Uh,
0: they are, so, yeah, yeah.
1: Joy. Where? What do you think? <laughs> what do you think they would play in London? And oh, fuck it, I'm going to look it up because I'm curious now.
0: I don't even know if they would come to London. Mm, yeah. Would they? I mean, what's weird about that is is that I saw oh, that band that do I reviewed them for metal hammer and they're one of those bands and i was like this band i knew they'd been successful in america they do that so i am machine i am machine i got to do, 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 do. i am machine i am anyway they're one of those yarling that's not a million new that's kind not of a group.
1: million I, I love them but that's not a million miles away from um stone temple pilots i am i am i am Bernie. yeah well you know
0: uh i used to play on team rock and, and jonathan seltzer the editor of metal hammer sent me probably the most surprising email to get from the world's most black metal man he's like do you want to go and see fucking three doors down i think they're called or what one of them right yes, and i was yes, like yes. are you taking the piss out of me Jonathan? what are you doing and he was like oh uh, you know it's sold out and they're playing the, they were playing the forum right and they came on they started that song and i was like and it was just like expat americans mm going fucking like i can't believe this band already playing in front of two thousand people i was the only english person in there it was like a little sort of u.s embassy and that's where you with met your really bad tasting no it's not <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh just very quickly Although she does like a lot of this shit oh she really wants us to do the dave matthews band on uh on rioters review in fact we might do that have to do that soon and what dave it. matthews band do you want us to do darling under the table and dreaming our okay. american listeners are probably like ah yes of course and <laughs> our british listeners are probably going who, uh, who is uh, that
1: <laughs> just as a quick curio interesting thing um last time Candlebox were over steve in london uh june 19th 2019 less than a year ago as we record this was it yeah islington academy they played uh which is uh 1200
0: yeah, about that. Set. Is it that many? Yeah, probably. Um, around no, about. it can't Let's say be it's that much. Say it's a, thousand. It's about a, thousand, a thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw Everclear there, thinking of another band like this, who I thought were much more successful in the UK than Candlebox everywhere. I'm sure, yeah. but um, I saw Everclear there in 2013.
1: Right. I mean, to be fair, uh, in January 2017, they played The Underworld, which is. 400 500 yeah 500 yeah. uh and also interestingly um back in september 1995 they played the underworld as well on the did lo- they on the and everyone lo- probably
0: thought how exciting they're yeah. gonna be seeing the next big thing yeah on on the Lucy no, you're not.
1: On, well on the lucy tour that was so so they already wow. had this big album out and i'm assuming at that point in time they were playing arenas in america
0: in america they would have been yeah so but that's happened a lot i mean yeah. creed came over the first time they came over they played uh they played had the big day out opening for metallica didn't they that was the first one of the first gigs oh, they did yeah. and they played the borderline was the first place that creed played when they came over here i believe was human I at mean, Cre- that point mm, which one was that was that the first second one second one it was whatever the first one was called okay
1: oh Which my own remember. prison or some crap that's like it that. yeah
0: yeah my yeah. own prison and um they uh they never got bigger than the astoria in the uk i don't think even though they had a big hit single i don't think they ever play anything bigger than the astoria i believe that would be depressing if you now are about to tell me that creed played Brixton academy i'd be very upset uh, uh, by that uh
1: no it, no it looks like you're right astoria i can see here borderline uh no yeah astoria yeah
0: well there you go another little look into the America's odd little ways we will do Dave Matthews I think we'll do Dave Matthews band because I do like these chats well Um, we'll only
1: do it provided your girlfriend pays a pound a month
0: oh right yeah you gotta sign up darling I'm sorry you gotta sign up for the Patreon page
1: fuck the freeloaders mate
0: (sighs) yeah (laughs) I mean it's not quite freeloading
1: Well, I don't see what I'm getting out of the arrangement is all I'm saying.
0: <laughs> well, I can probably get her to give you a pound, mate. I'm sure. um, uh, she bought you a Nando's once.
1: We, she did, but yeah, 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 she did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> once.
0: That's the equivalent of 12 writers reviews, you know that, don't you? Yes,
1: it probably is. We've been wanging on about Candlebox for over an hour, Steve. Come on.
0: I know, I can't believe silly. it. All right. I, yes, it is very this silly. Is silly. Well, yeah, but I do, I, I it's, uh, you know, obviously interesting time. And yeah. those trying to understand, I mean, I don't think we've even begun to be able to try and understand how or why those records get big. And it's going to be the same thing every time, but it's yeah. just, or why it doesn't translate over here. We sort of know why, but it is always just sort of, uh, definitely one of those head scratchy things. And I think this is particularly interesting because Candlebox are like, the first band to go yeah we're here as well and everyone to go fuck you <laughs> fuck you you're not grunge we've been, screw you we've
1: been talking about it for a long time so i don't want to go and go on to another tangent but i think broadly it's to do with our big our levels of cynicism Compared to America. But, you know, we've, we've, A, we've discussed that in the past. And B, we've been talking for over an hour on Candlebox. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Fine. Well, hey, listen. Thanks for listening. We appreciate that. Um, And we'll be back with the Dave Matthews band at some point, I'm sure. Can't wait. Um, Can't wait. No. And uh, we shall. see you very very soon on one of these or on the weekly show or on the classic albums um we have plenty of good stuff to be going on with in terms of writers reviews but if you are a uh, a patron then why not suggest something we've got a whole load of them and we want to try and get through every single one of them we're gonna be doing one every week there'll be a new one of these coming up um so that's patreon.com forward slash Right Act Podcast, if you are listening in the year 2027 as a freebie. Uh, if not, we appreciate your support. Thank you very much. Um, and we will speak to you very soon. Say goodbye, Renfree.
1: Goodbye, Renfrey.